Welcome back to the Dime Boxing with Delco podcast. We're on episode two here. Thank you to everyone who listened to episode one. Thank you to all the feedback we got. Um, We really appreciate it. I'm here joined again by Delco Rips. Delco Rips, what's up? What's up, Danny Dimebox? How's it going? Again, I got to echo that sentiment. I appreciate all the positive feedback and even the the constructive criticism. Keep it coming. Um, We're only going to get better from here. Oh, yeah. We're going to try, you know, we're going to really try to get consistent with our uploading, too. I definitely want to get some guests on in the near future. Um, So hopefully we'll have some people who are hoping to jump on here and we'll we'll get them on. But uh, I wanted to start off here. We got some topics to talk about. I'll jump right into some of the hobby news. Um, In my opinion, probably the biggest part of hobby news, at least for me. Uh, PSA pricing changes. So $15 is currently the cheapest because of their special. Now they are making the cheapest level 19 bucks, but there's a big twist there. So with the $15 level, the maximum value once it's graded was 200 bucks. So like if you send in a card, let's say that card's like 80 bucks raw, but it's 500 bucks as a PSA 10. They're going to hit you with an upcharge because that card is, if it PSA 10s, because it's worth more in a PSA 10 than their value limit. But now with it at 500, you won't get an upcharge. So that $4 difference is giving you $300 more room in the maximum value, but definitely also take some options off the table, what you can grade. Like I've been looking at some cards lately and, it's really cheap cards and if they're less than five bucks if i can get them shipped for less than five bucks then i know that i'm getting them in a slab under 20 bucks that's no longer the case with 19 dollars grading so i think it'll make people maybe a tiny bit more picky with what they send it'll make people more picky with what they buy to look over for grading but i don't think it's really that bad because of that value change going up to 500 it's more than double allowed value now and those upcharges can really kill um i've been upcharged before i'm sure everyone has so to not have to worry about the upcharges as much is kind of nice what do you think about that delco yeah i think it's uh i definitely like the not having to worry about it and then also like you know uh if you have one of these cards that were kind of on the fringe of going over the 200 dollar range you know um I I think you were kind of hesitant and unsure what to do because I feel like $30 doesn't make sense. It's like still just as slow as bulk and $50 is like a little too expensive. Um, But maybe it really like bulk has been coming back in five weeks. $50 historically takes about maybe three weeks, uh, you know, three to four. So I I think they're just trying to settle into like a nice balance here. I really like, I would love if they had done $15, but raised the $500, uh, raised the threshold, the value cool. threshold. Um, that would be amazing for us collectors. But imagine that, like them just giving away uh, a little bit of value. Um, so I, I think it's okay. But I wanted to ask you this, like, do you think that this, you know, price kind of difference, does this make SGC any more appealing to you? Uh, we're talking now. Uh, there's really when you take the $15 special away, you're talking about um, basically one for one pricing. You got five to 10 business days versus a 65 business day turnaround uh, for basically the same price. Um, 
you know, does that make SGC a little bit more appealing for, say, for cards that are in season or that might be time sensitive uh, with you selling? Here's what I'll say. I think it makes SGC less appealing. And here's why. SGC at 18 bucks, there's no maximum value. It's unlimited. So you're not going to get any upcharges. So there were some cards where I've been thinking about SGC recently. And, and the only reason was that I want to get them slab cheap, quick, and with no chance of an upcharge. Now, with them raising that to 500 bucks, I'm less concerned about a PSA upcharge. So I'm not going to go to SGC because my main thinking of going to SGC and the reason I sent a couple cards there in the past is because I knew I wasn't going to get upcharged. Now it's like same price, probably won't get upcharged. I would just go PSA. And I know PSA also came out with dual service. So the cheapest dual service, which is the grade in the auto grade, is 25 bucks. And I think that that makes SGC a little less appealing too because it's like, yeah, SGC grades the auto for free, but for an extra six bucks, you could have PSA grade it. And, and I know that SGC doesn't put it on there unless it gets a 10. But I would say because of the maximum declared value change, I think this makes SGC less appealing to me. I like that. That's a good thought. I, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't consider it that way. But I, I, I think we're using SGC a little differently there. So like for me, SG, when I'm making SGC plays, it's like it's a speed thing. Like I, you know, I got a show coming up um, in th- two and a half weeks. I want these cards slabbed, liquid, ready to go. Um, or, you know, even uh, for instance, I, I purchased, you know, and got a Devontae Smith optic downtown. And, you know, we're kind of running to the end of the season here. Um, I didn't think I didn't want to send it for I didn't want to pay 50 bucks on the card. I really wanted to get around the $20 grading price point, but I thought it looked clean. So I wanted to maximize some sort of grading value. You know, and I didn't want it to be the end of the season and risk the Eagles being out of the playoffs, kind of, you know, being stuck or have the card not be liquid. So for me, in, in my mind there, like SGC sort of made sense. A little hesitant on it. Like, I'm not really sure. But, you know, I think there's a couple, you can look at it a different couple of different ways on what are the main value props that SGC appeals to you for. Um but yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to look at it too about the the five hundred dollar limit that it takes away uh, that chance of upcharge. Yeah, I I think that's and and that was a big part of SGC's appeal, and I think that that might hurt SGC more than PSA lowering their price to fifteen dollars did, because that one hundred ninety nine dollars threshold really doesn't give you that much room. But what I've noticed is they're not really like that strict on it. Like I've had cards where I'm like, Oh, I could have got off charge there. And I didn't I yeah. used to be more strict about it. Like I remember during the crazy boom when everything, you know, I remember getting some nasty up charges and you just ate them because you, the consumer had less power then because PSA had more of a demand. Now they seem to be a little more hesitant to upcharge. And I think a lot of people have been putting pressure on Nat Turner in DMs about upcharges. I know me myself a little while ago, um, not really so recent, but I, I had it out with him in the DMs about upcharges because he had previously, before he owned PSA, he himself had complained about upcharges. So I had gotten upcharged $300 on a card and I was really unhappy. And I, and I, I messaged him and I'm sure he's getting t- And he actually responded to all his credit. He responded to me. 
Um, he just was kind of confused on the way I was explaining it is at least what he said to me. So he couldn't really answer it. I don't know, but, but that's a good point. I thought that, that that's a good point. Like, uh, Jalen hurts. Uh, we actually both, uh, folks of this card. I just got it back today. A no blue up. ice PSA 10, uh, Jalen hurts. And the last sale on it is $300. Um, but I didn't get up charged on the card, uh, at the $15 rate, which is kind of cool. So um, you know, this one technically slightly is over, but I mean, maybe PSA book value is still kind of lagging behind a little bit. Like the, the way that they calculate that is a little, uh, doesn't necessarily keep up to date with market trends or player performance. Yeah, I think so. And I think, and, and that's a good point with those Jalen Hurts, cause it's been a really recent rise for him. Uh, are you holding them? So let me ask you this. We both have the same card now. What's your plan with it? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm probably just going to move it uh, if I can. And, you know, that last sale at 300, I, I'll, be, I'll probably sell it under that um, and try and sell it. I do think that, like, I think now with a second year card like that, I, I think it's kind of like take the, the hot player. Um, I've learned my lesson uh, when people really want something of yours and uh, they're a hot player in the hobby, sometimes even if it doesn't feel great in the moment, like it's best to just um, let it go and sell the hot player. And there's always going to be an opportunity to buy back when perception isn't um, quite as high. I think a best example I can give you is um, I, I loaded up really heavy on Anthony Edwards in the preseason. I thought that the Rudy Gobert kind of trade would put them at a, like more of like an elite team in the West. And I was at the Dallas card show in September before the season I had about five or six pretty big assets and uh, I sold them all. Uh, he was the hottest player, one of the hottest players in the Ooh. room. And I was like kind of sad and bummed about it. Like, man, like I, I I'm selling my play before he ever even has a chance to, um, you know, a chance to kind of prove what I'm guessing on. And you've seen his market really go down since. And oh, the, yeah. the, war, the the Timberwolves haven't done anything. And the Gobert trade really wasn't that good of a fit. And uh, so sometimes kind of just uh, moving on and, and striking while the iron is hot, I, I've, in my experience, tends to be the right play. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, with Anthony Edwards, he definitely made a good play moving those. I think, in my opinion, his stuff is just going to continue to go down more. You know, it would take, I think, a playoff run and him to play really well during it for his stuff to go up. Um, he, there's just so many Anthony Edwards cards out there. They made a million different products. It, so I, that's, I'm glad you moved that stuff. And I'm surprised it was even that hot before the season. Was that right before this season? Yeah, it was in it was the September Dallas show. So uh, okay. before they ever played for preseason, uh, you know, Anthony Edwards was a, a main play of a lot of people. It's kind of in the distant future now, um, but yeah, people were kind of trying to make their plays for the upcoming basketball season. We saw him rise, and uh, you know, people were also I, I think just segueing into uh, segueing back to Jalen Hurts. So we just saw people were picking up Jalen Hurts. He was pretty hot from the national forward and a lot of people got proven right. And then now he's even hotter than he ever was, um, despite kind of maybe being hurt for a game or two. His his black prism 101 
BGS 9.5 just sold for $144,000 at auction Ooh. in this economy. Uh, that's a crazy sale, right? I mean, I, I, I feel like uh, that's super high. And, um, you know, I, I'm an Eagles fan. I would love to own that card if I could, if I could swing that kind of change. But, um, you know, I don't think anything else proves that, you know, his perception is changing and at a very high point um, kind of in the roller coaster. What did you what did you make of that sale? What did you think when you saw it? I think it's really high. I mean, I think in this economy, it's nuts. I mean, there's sales that you can compare it to, though, and say maybe it's not that crazy. Like, I believe a Justin Herbert National Treasures 101 logo man at one point when the market was in a better place. So for one point one million. Now, I'd much rather have Jalen Hurts cards right now than Herbert. I know a lot of people would disagree on that, but that's that Hurts sale is I mean, it's crazy for someone to spend one hundred forty five grand on that to me. If if you're going to spend that kind of money on a card, I would try to go for someone who's more established. It doesn't have to be someone who's retired, but like. I've what about what about the card itself? Like, would you even just keep it like all in Jalen Hurts? Like to me, my style, if I was spending that type of high end, like give me an auto, give me a game use patch from Flawless. Like I don't want uh, a black prism card for that much change. I know, I think we might disagree on this, but like, I, I kind of, I, I, I don't see the value want, like withstanding and testing time for just a prism card when you know you can pull pack pulled rookie game use patches uh from flawless with an auto like to me that i believe that that holds more actual value but well uh, what do you think about that here's the problem there he has no game use flawless stuff oh i didn't know that i didn't know he didn't no no game use rookie flawless stuff not in football in general. I don't think any of the football rookies this year. And I, I actually just doubled, wanted to fact check myself on that. And not only is it not game used, it's not player used. It says the it's one of these. The enclosed authentic memorabilia is not from any specific game or event, which that is crazy. Now, I know basketball flawless is still game worn. Baseball flawless is still game worn, even though it's unlicensed. But like. I'm looking now. I'm trying to prove myself wrong because it's like sad, but no. That is sad. I guess he's in the COVID 2020 year. Yeah. Um, which probably didn't help him. So maybe I maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe the Prism Black is kind of, you know, the best example card you can get. Um, I still kind of but my point in general stands. Um, but but yeah, that that is interesting that there is nothing game used. So maybe maybe the black one of one is kind of really is the best Jalen Hurts you could get. I still think, hey, look, compared to the guy that sold the Mac Jones at 100K, cool. I bought it at 100K, uh, th this Prism Black 101 in a BGS 9.5 doesn't look too bad or doesn't look too bad versus the 1.8 million private sale or is it 1.1 million private sale of the Herbert Black uh, Prism 101 before the season. So in comparison um maybe it's a steel deal if uh if he wins the super bowl but just transitioning to another 101 big sale um the luka Doncic uh gold vinyl auto 101 from optic uh sold for eighty thousand dollars on card auto um you know global game with basketball 
global player, uh, European, Slovenian, and Luka Doncic. That surprised me that it went for that cheap, um, just considering um, even what his logo man just sold for. Um, what did you think about that? Did you think it was low in comparison to other Luka assets? Well, here's the problem. He has too many one-on-one autos like that, and it's not the top one. In this market where people are finally realizing that there's so many different Luka one-on-ones, there's so many Mac Jones one-on-ones, there's so many Jalen Hurts one-on-ones, I think it would have to be like the prism or the NT or flawless for it to be bringing the types of numbers it was during the peak. I think this is a situation where, look, this is his optic one-on-one. I guarantee you it's not his only optic rookie one-on-one, right? He has other ones in optic. You know he has ones in select. There's so many different, you know, Spectra, Obsidian. There's just so many different products now, and there's so many different cards. And I think that's part of the reason that stuff like that, unless it's the premium, premium products, like it's going to really start to suffer when people look at how many others. And I think especially with the super high end right now and cards like that, Luca, you know, you only have a few collectors who are willing to pay that type of money for it. And there's a lot of high-end cards being auctioned off right now. So those guys might have seen, you know, let's say they collect LeBron too, and they saw that there were a bunch of PSA 10 Topps Chrome LeBron rookie refractors on a different auction, and then they went and bought those. And, you know, money's not the way it was two years ago, so people don't have it endlessly, so they could have been tied up. I think having a lot of other high-end cards ending on auction lately is causing a lot of these really low sales. So that one really isn't, so surprising i mean he's not he hasn't won an mvp he hasn't won a championship and it's his optic 101 auto and it's still sold for 80 grand so i think people are just so used to seeing the crazy oh this prism black 101 of this guy who hasn't really done much yet is now selling for a million you know like that crazy sale era is gone and i i think that's i think that sales very reasonable for the card it was I guess maybe it's maybe it's my perception that's off there. I I you know maybe I just like optic better than the next than than the hobby itself or the market itself because I view optic like an optic 101 auto pretty highly amongst all products. Like to me, that's better than uh, a, a prism black sticker auto 101. Um, you know because it's on card and I put it up there with you know pretty much any non patch. 101 auto like i i put it pretty highly especially in that gold vinyl but you know obviously i wasn't out there bidding for it but i still i just like to me in comparison to the logo man 101 three million dollar sale i'm like wow it was a shocking delta there um but you're right on i agree with you that eventually when somebody isn't like now Luca's really not the mvp favorite because of team performance and even though he's playing pretty well um, we've also seen some like just kind of weird moments from this year, like more complaints, more frustration, uh, not dapping his teammates up, leaving them hanging a couple times. Um, some of that can start to wear on people um, in terms of perception. Like he's not Curry, who's always smiling, happy, um, and kind of just like this like super marketable guy. I think some of that can hurt him too. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, he as he goes on, the more years without winning a championship and without winning an MVP, the lower his stock gets. So I think 
you see with guys who were like superstars, like a guy like Trey Young. You know, Trey Young's prices are back to pre-boom, at least on like the rookie graded stuff, you know. So I think seeing that, after their first couple of years, people lose a lot of hope, right? Because when they're a rookie and when they're in their second and third year, they have a chance to win a championship and an MVP way younger than other people have. But then once that chance goes away and they're just kind of like another superstar, people aren't going to go as crazy for their cards. I don't think that Trey Young's going to do anything this year, but do you think that Trey Young's a buy given that fact that he's all, he's all the way down um, to his pre-COVID prices. I mean, when is Curry's first uh, championship, you know? Um, I'm looking now. He, I want to say he didn't win until he was 27 in like 15, 16, something like that, or maybe 14, 15. So it took him five or six years to kind of build the team necessary and the Curry that we know now. And he didn't even average 20 his, his first time averaging 22 points a game was for his fourth year in the league, which I think is uh, roughly where Trey is now. He's in his fourth or fifth year. So um, I wonder, uh, I don't think he has the team to do it now, but I wonder if you're a long-term guy, if, if that's true, what you said about uh, Trey being pre-COVID, pre-boom prices, what do you think? Do you think he's a buy right now? Well, and another thing that's interesting about comparing Trey and Curry is like, yeah, Trey's stats through his first couple of years are way better than Curry's, not even comparable. I think Trey led the league in points and assists last year, but the huge difference between them is Curry barely had any cards his rookie year. Trey has so many, and that's what kind of holds me back. I was actually looking today, like his base PSA 10s are 50 bucks again which is insane because I remember when they ran all the way up to 800 bucks, I actually sold a good amount of them when they hit 200 bucks. And and I hadn't bought any as PSA 10s. They were just ones. I liked Trey early on and his raw prism base where I'm not kidding you, like a dollar or two, you know, when that product was first coming out. So I remember picking up some of those, you know, sending them in. And I remember when they hit a hundred bucks, I was shocked. And then when they hit 150, I was shocked. They hit 200. I was like, what is going on? And they just kept running up from there. But now they're back to where they were really early on. And I, I just, I, I'm tempted to just buy one just for like nostalgia factor, just <laughs> selling them when that's when everyone wanted. But those at 50 bucks is, I mean, when you compare it to Luca, double the pop at 300, not that prison based PSA 10 is ever the investor point, but I don't know. I mean, I, I might search eBay, see if I can find some centered clean ones from, I would assume they're probably like five or 10 bucks for all, you know, try to get them in PSA tens for like under 30 bucks. But I mean, I, I don't know. Trey might be kind of a buy because people are really forgetting about him. And I think his stuff could go down even more. Like if they have a, a a disappointing exit from the playoffs. And, and I think then his stuff could really start plummeting and maybe buy him to hope that they pick up another good player for next year and can make a run because he had a great playoff run too. He's been to the Eastern conference finals. Luca can't say that he's been to the conference finals. So Trey's been really far in the playoffs and he was the star of that run. Um, so I think if he can maybe do that and, close it out at some point that would be pretty far down the line that he could win a championship but 
I mean, you're right. Comparing him to Steph is interesting because Trey's stuff right now is really cheap. His silver tens are back to like three fifty. Um, you know, it's really cheap. And I know that the prism stuff isn't what people want, but his autos are cheap again. Um, and he's really dropped a lot more than other guys have since the boom. That's like the same as Maxi, right? You know, like 2018 versus a 2020 rookie. I believe Maxi's uh, PSA 10 silver price is somewhat right there. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit less. But, I, you know, I think Trey... Uh, I'm partial to Maxi as a person um, and an attitude player uh, and also being a Sixers fan. But, <laughs> you know, it's pretty obvious that Trey is like more accomplished, right, in terms of accolades, uh, proven player, like you said, leading his team to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I agree with you that I think it's a wait and see. Uh, they also are floating like trading John Collins like they do every year. They always try to trade that guy. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of turnover in the NBA, which is great for the market. I think there's going to be a big moves at the trade deadline. I see a lot of stagnant rosters that just really need to either be worse or be better. Like they, they're going to float in the middle and they've been the same, like the Suns, uh, they've been, they've had a good record, but like, I don't, I don't see them winning anything. I, I think the, the Hawks, are pretty similar like they just are stagnant they're going they just keep trying the same exact roster formulation and i think that we're going to see some player movement all right here's another guy who's now back to where they were before the boom in terms of pricing i think he's actually lower than he was before the boom you just mentioned the suns their center deandre ayton the number one overall pick a guy who really hasn't been anything near a bust he had some big moments in the playoffs he's had really big statistical stretches when uh when star players are out on his team uh he just recently put up 21 and 11 the other night against the lakers Uh, he's averaging 17 points on the year he's still really young he's only 24 and you know he's had so like his second year in the league he averaged 18 and 11 you know his stuff is really cheap. I'm pretty sure you can get his base prison PSA 10s for like 10, 15 bucks right now. Hmm. That's interesting. I, 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 the only thing with him is uh, having been a, um, a reformed Embiid collector, you know, <laughs> <laughs> even with Embiid's like insane statistical runs near MVPs, the big guy in the hobby is just always so disrespected, which I just don't understand because Basketball is kind of a position in the sport in my eyes, and mm-hmm. I don't really understand why centers would get disrespected like that. But I do think that there's a ceiling on him like that. But I also think that the real ceiling for his game is he could, if he was featured in an offense and on a team, I feel like he could score way more. He has the talent. He even can shoot. Um, but like the Suns have like drilled it into him to be like the fit their mold. And, you know, they have some, they have Booker and CP3 and Mikel Bridges, and they, they have their kind of shooting and scoring kind of accounted for. I'd like to see him on it. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen, uh, but I would love to see him on in a different situation on a different team and see if that brings out that like number one pick dog that he, you know, that he displayed the talent for. 
Yeah, I think a different team would be big, especially because they got they got Booker who likes to shoot. He loves to shoot. You know, CP three doesn't necessarily shoot a ton, a ton, but he's a high usage guy. Um, so on a different team, it'd be interesting because I, I agree with you. He's he is athletic. He is coordinated. I think he can do uh, more things. And his stuff is is really cheap. Like Card Ladder has his Prism Silver PSA ten rookies at fifty bucks. Wow. It, in mid 2019 they were over 100 bucks so i mean think about and you know all through 2019 they're over 100 bucks that's before the boom then they had during the august 2020 run up which was the first insane insane wave it went up to 543 and then during the just way too crazy late 2020 early 2021 they went over 600 bucks so they've dropped from being over 600 bucks to 50 bucks and the guy hasn't really done anything. He hasn't, or he hasn't done anything that bad. You know, he hasn't gotten hurt. I know he hasn't stood out a ton, but I think he almost left them last season. But then the Suns matched an offer sheet. Like he was very right. close to leaving. And I don't think he was happy about that either. He wasn't happy that they matched the offer sheet. No, he wasn't. Interesting. Um, bringing it back to a, another kind of hobby news, uh, people are kind of clowning this $1.5 million Aaron Judge ball, 60-second home run ball sale um, because uh, the rumor is, and I don't I don't know if this is actually confirmed, but the rumor among the hobby Instagram and uh, among people in the hobby is that the, the seller uh, who was at a Rangers game, I believe, he turned down a $3 million private offer for this ball and wanted to give it to Golden and let them run it on auction. Um, what was your take on that? Do you think, you know, I mean, obviously, I think you would have taken the $3 million offer privately if that was actually true. Um, but yeah, what do you think about that sale? I think it's insane that someone even paid 1.5. I think that <laughs> whole Aaron Judge record thing got so much extra news attention. And, and it was really weird kind of why. I guess, you know, he's a New York player. Baseball is very statistic-based. But, I mean, he broke the American League home run record. Uh, to me, it, it just got way too much attention that it should have. I mean, I guess it's good because at least some cards went up. You know, Aaron Judge cards were going up a lot during that. But I, I don't know. This whole Judge home run thing, I'm just... I'm kind of all set on in all honesty. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Like that's my, that was my impression too, is like, man, that's the dumbest, you know, really most short-sighted like 1.5 million. Um, I think, cause it, to me, it has almost no potential. There's going to be a day for sure. Like lock this in when somebody is going to overtake that record. Um, that's not going to stand the test of time. Uh, athletes are getting bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, every decade, records are broken in all sports. Um, not to mention, baseball is going to continue to incentivize the long ball. That's what sells. Um, that's what's going to generate TV revenue. I, I, I just think that this American League home run record is going to go down, and Aaron Judge is going to have the second or third or fourth best uh, AL home run season, and then it's just going to be some Yankee folktale record. Um, I just don't see the I don't see the play or the investment in that unless you're just completely uh, going to the grave with it. And it's just a complete memento 
Um, but it, I, I don't see it having like long-standing value at even at the 1.5 million. Um, if it's true that he turned down three, he probably deserves some of this a uh, little bit of hate that's coming to him. But um, you know, yeah, I think that's it's kind of a wild thing. Danny, I wanted to ask you one question uh, related to kind of the Aaron Judge ball. So I want, you know, say you pull, you you open a box from your LCS and you pull um, what you perceive to be a million dollar card. Uh, do you have any idea of like what your next steps would be? Like, what would you do with it? Would you, would you take it to Golden or PWCC or would you try to find a private sale? Uh, you know, have you ever thought about that? What would you do? I would first, I would sell it. I wouldn't, you know, hold it. Um, I would probably go to Golden. I think he does a nice job of promoting things more than they even should have been promoted. And I think like with that LeBron flawless triple logo, man, that would not have sold for what it did if he didn't, you know, if him and Drake weren't behind it, pumping it up. So I, I think Golden would be the best one to throw some spice on the sale through marketing. So I would say I would go right to Ken Golden. Uh, no doubt about it. Do you have like a, yeah, that's an interesting, that's a great point. I agree. I think I, I, Ken gets a lot of hate and, but I think he's a pretty masterful marketer of sports card member, sports memorabilia, sports cards in general. Like he, pump, he pumps the stuff. I mean, he was the first one to, uh, you know, do the ad in Times Square for the LeBron um you know he spends marketing dollars to try to get eyeballs and i think he did his best with the Aaron judge ball um do you have like a first i i don't think you've you've sold stuff on golden before uh that i know of but you what's a dollar threshold that you're like wow i maybe maybe need like the marketing juice of one of these big auction houses is, you know is it 10 20 30,000 um do you have that like what's your number there if I, I think it would have to be at least 30,000 that I would try to go to like Ken Golden and try to get some marketing behind it. Um, yeah, I, I think getting marketing behind it would only be if it's, if it's at least like that value range. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. Um, yeah, maybe one day we'll, uh, we'll have the assets like that, um, to, to kind of send his way. Um, I wanted to also just kind of, uh, give a quick little, uh, you know, I thought this is a good topic. C. Blez made a video, Chad Blesnick, um, with Blez Sports Cards came out and he made a, a whole video on uh, basically that he doesn't think it's a good financial play for his card business and himself in 2023 to go to as many card shows as he has. Um, he says he's going to really limit it and keep it minimal. Um, the expenses are getting too high from planes, hotels, everything. Uh, Josh Roth on uh, Roth cards on Instagram, uh, kind of made a counter like series of stories to this. And he gave a much more optimistic approach and said that, you know, it's important to think about the best case scenario and, you know, that, you know, you'll never know how these shows will go if you don't attend them yourself. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, what, what is your take on the kind of the two sides of the coin there, the optimist versus the pessimist? In all honesty, I am not a big fan of shows, so I might be biased on this. Like, I, I just don't travel for shows, really. I mean, I went to the National. It was in AC. That's like an hour and a half from me, <laughs> two hours. That's the only reason that I went there. I'm not going to go to the one, probably won't go to the one uh, that's in Chicago or whatever. 
Um, I just think that shows, I, I mean, I kind of agree with him. Sometimes you just don't find the plays and especially in the market now where a lot of times you just get dealers who say, hey, look, I know this is the value, but I'm into it for higher. So I'm, you know, I'm firm on my 200% price. And when you hear that a lot of times, it gets frustrating, especially when you traveled in, you know, and, and I think also people are a lot hesitant to buy stuff. So I think in the current market, there's less transacting. So I would have to say that I, I would agree with um, C. Blaise on this one. I think shows I'm a little bit lower on, and, and there's so many shows going on now too. I mean, there never used to be this many. So if you're just patient, wait for a show that's convenient for you. I think you'll be able to find that. You know, I'm not in a rush to go trying to run around and, and travel to shows. I just think there are a lot of times where there aren't really plays to be made at shows. So I'll, I'll give you a, an opposite take there. I, 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 don't, I think there's a lot of truth to what Seablaze said. I think it's something to consider. I think what you said makes sense. Um, I, I've really had a positive experience with traveling to shows. I think um, it expands your buyer's network is one so that you can make more, play, more uh, plays and buys and sells that from people that you trust when you meet them in person. Um, the other thing I'll say is there's not too many shows that I've traveled to that I haven't been able to at that show make a play that completely justifies the cost. Um, it, you know, there are certain ones that have been bad, but like, especially like Dallas, I could think of every time I've traveled to the Dallas car show, I make a sale that I just wouldn't have been, have made otherwise. Um, so just give you an example, like real life example, uh, you know, the day before the football season, uh, early like September 1st or something like that there was the Dallas car show sold a Justin Herbert card for 1900 cash that card today is worth $900 Ooh. now would I have put that right on eBay and got that same offer I don't think so I think it was in cash you know quote unquote don't tell the IRS undocumented cash sale <laughs> uh, it happened you know at the perfect moment when I needed to make that sale now, fast forward to the November Dallas show. Travel there again, right? I sold a John Morant uh, th flashback Prism Mojo to 25 for 1500 cash. The last sale, and this is uh, in November, right? So we're talking a month and a half ago. The last sale on that card uh, around December 10th was $435. Oh. So there's certain sales that you can make, deals that you can make at a physical card show trades that you can make get the visibility on your cards um i can't tell you how many times i've got a old comp trade value that if i were to throw it on auction or try and sell it to somebody it wouldn't have happened because you at an actual physical card show with people there that are motivated to make deals so i think it's something to consider i think like i i don't want to say like go travel to every card show but I'm going to keep an open mind to start 2023. Like I've stacked up a good bit of these big shows and if it doesn't go well, then, you know, it's kind of like, uh, all right, well, I have to change my strategy for Q2. But for me, having kind of have some of those stories and being able to justify like, you know, dropping seven, 800 to, or maybe even a thousand plus on expenses I've been able to justify it through some of the plays that happen at the show. Um, and sometimes it doesn't even come to fruition or you don't realize how good 
of a transaction it is until months later. Like I kind of these stories, I didn't know how good those deals were until hindsight. But that's kind of my rosy kind of take on it. Um, I, I mean, and maybe, and I'm biased because I want these shows to be something where, uh, you know, they're still good and like still worth attending, especially since I'm lined up for the Dallas, Atlanta, and then Burbank shows kind of in Q1 so of 2023. So we'll see how it goes. And, you know, if you keep tuning in to the Dime Boxing with Delco podcast, you'll get to hear firsthand like how these go for me and whether um, they're worth it. I'll be super transparent about that. Uh, you know, not going to be optimistic to, uh, to or overly optimistic and lie about the success or anything like that. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that. I know you're you're a lot more into shows uh, than I am. Definitely, I think. Also, another thing you got to take into account, like traveling for shows before the boom, before the pandemic, was a lot cheaper than it is now. Like your hotels when you go out to eat, where you're trying to stay at a hotel seems like it's pretty much and i know people are going to say this is exaggeration i don't think it is it's like cost double what it used to just to travel and stuff and and i think that's a big part of it too yeah no that's a good that is a good point um your boy your boy booked a uh six hundred dollar unlimited flight with frontier uh to prepare for this in 2023 so is that a thing you can pay 600 bucks and get unlimited flights yeah, it was a Black Friday deal. Um, only a couple people got in on it, I think, because most people uh, aren't humble enough as I am to travel with Frontier Airlines. But Black Friday deal, five ninety nine from May twenty twenty three to May twenty twenty four. Unlimited flights. All you have to pay is the taxes. So it's like fifteen dollars away for for these flights. And I've with Frontier because uh, Dallas to Philadelphia for whatever reason, is a very competitive flight that doesn't happen a ton. I've actually um, had the experience of like almost paying like $400 with a Frontier flight to get a round trip flight. So for $600 to lock in for a full year, only paying the taxes, I figured it was a no brainer. So I jumped on that. Yeah, that's freaking, that sounds like a good deal. Holy cow. I think honestly, I'm not a big traveling guy, but if I would have seen that, I might have jumped on that. That's that's really solid. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how that is. Um, I, this is good. I think this is a good, like a good segue here for this. Uh, I saw this on Twitter, uh, this kind of sentiment. It was the, the card ladder founder, Jackie's and Jordan's. And uh, he, he kind of spoke about this and Slab Mafia Sports, on, who's on Instagram and Twitter, uh, kind of echoed this sentiment that as the the wage gap and the like the economy if it takes this economic downturn like we're already in it but if it continues that over the next six months and the wage gap gets wider right so the rich get richer poor get poorer um as we've seen as a growing trend for the last 20 years if that continues and actually goes at a quicker rate and farther apart uh the sentiment and thought is that that actually could drive collectibles up because the rich, you know, they need something to invest in that is fun, uh, that's different because they're going to have this kind of extra money, um, you know, as this goes on. And I, I think this kind of goes back to, you know, he looked, I remember in early in the economic downturn, the card ladder founder, uh, Jackie's and Jordan's, um, he, he mentioned that 
in 2008, in the last economic downturn, that cards were pretty much up. They were actually did well um, during when you look at it as a whole. Um, I don't know if like you're, I'm going to you know, you're going to be able to be like, I know exactly what's going to happen. But what, what reaction do you have to that thought and that sentiment? Well, I'll tell you what, I think it's inaccurate for this reason. It's only I think that will happen in that situation. That only happens for super high end stuff or high end in general. So when you have an economic downturn where, let's say, the middle class has less money to spend, middle and lower classes have less spending money, then you're going to have less of the cheap packs selling at a card shop and less of the dollar box and ten dollar cards selling at a card show. So, yeah, you're. Luca Blue Ice PSA 10 and LeBron Golds at a 10 are probably going to go up because there's going to be some people doing some weird things during those times and they might want to move some money around, try to hide some profits, or maybe they are just a collector who has a lot of money. So you're going to have that. But I think in that situation, you're going to lose a lot from the low end game. And and really, the high end isn't going to be able to pull up the rest of the market when there aren't there isn't people who have extra spending money looking to put it into cards. I think the worst the you know, I think the worse the economy gets, the worse the card market gets. I, I disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, I guess the one I was going to, you already kind of answered this, but I was going to address, like, don't you think if the high end goes up that doesn't, I mean, there's a sentiment in sports cards. I've heard this actually overheard uh, Gary from Pristine MJ sports say this, at uh, the Philly show, the last Philly show to a customer, he, he described, um, you know, the high end market taking some hits right now. And he said, you know, like, that's just going to bring the low end down with it. And, you know, he kind of gave the second of it that the high end kind of brings everything forward and up. Um, I think that maybe that makes sense in terms of like vintage, right? So like things that are of limited supply, but maybe kind of to your point that like, you know, the, the mass supply of, of modern sports cards. Like, I don't know if, uh, you know, the, the hot, you know, the blue ice really has that much relevance than to the 30,000 PSA 10 based Lucas. Yeah. And I think what was interesting when the market boomed, it kind of felt like it was booming from the bottom up. Like the whole real takeaway from the boom is base cards went crazy, you know, and then that, had to drive packs up because you can pull them in there. And then if a base card selling for this, then they're green, even though it's not numbered, it's retail has to be more. And then their silver has to be more than that. And then their out of 199 blue has to be more than that. I, I feel, and, and I might be wrong on this and there's probably people who disagree, but I think that the recent boom kind of felt like it was booming from the bottom up until I think once we got into like late 2021, before the real crash crash, like the second half of 2021, it seemed like it was really the high end market taking off while the low end uh, started to go down, like the high end seemed to still be going up. But I feel like the boom was really low end up. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I can see I see your point there. I think the um, kind of with the base, there's so many factors to this, like, you know, the fact that like grading was so backed up and like that created a shortage of the PS, even though there's a lot of pop of the PSA 10s uh, as it settled down. Um, you know, so many people had their uh, base cards at grading 
when that got clogged up in the pandemic. And I, I think, you know, that kind of created a, a, a perfect storm of what we saw. Um, I wanted to get into, do you have anything else you want to get into before we get into what are you buying and what are you grading? I thought you had some interesting ones. Uh, what is your best pull of all time? What is your best card play of all time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so best pull of all time um, as it stands today. Uh, it's funny, like this is ironic to bring up because I just saw this card in not the person that I ended up dealing it to. So my best pull of all time is from a mega uh, from Target, uh, Rookies and Stars mega, believe it or not. I pulled a 101 Justin Herbert autograph. Uh, it was second year, but um, yeah, that was my best pull of all time. It got a nine. I traded it for, I believe, like 1700 oh um, at the time, which is really high for a second year sticker auto 101, uh, the many, many of 101s. And then I just saw it on uh, Ryan Sports Cards on Twitter. I saw it. He posted it on his page of like stuff he just picked up. So I guess the kid I traded to in Indiana um, decided he didn't want it anymore at some point. Um, and uh, sports card play of all time. That's a tough one. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I made a good bit of money. I'll, I'll just give this. I, I, I got to look back and make sure I know uh, actually the, the, the statistics and the number of value. But I was buying Anthony Simons uh, about a year and a half ago. And, you know, some of that stuff, uh, some autos for like 30 bucks went up to like two, three hundred dollars. So I think statistically, like that was some of my best stuff. But I'll have to check back and, and see um, if there was any other like really solid uh, plays that I made. What about you? Best pull. This is it. I'm going to throw back with this one here um, many years ago. And I really wasn't that into cards at the time. Um, I was very yet. Yeah, this is 2010. So 2010 tops Chrome baseball comes out. Everyone wants Steven Strasburg. He was a huge prospect. Hype was insane. Uh, I'm at the mall with a couple of my friends. We're walking around, stumble into a shop, a sports shop, not really a card shop, but they have a couple of card boxes, um, some packs for sale. I pay three bucks. I get one pack of 2010 tops Chrome. Actually, you know what? I think it was 2011. At 2011 Topps Chrome Baseball. And in that one pack, I pulled an on-card Strasburg, the Refractor Rookie Auto, like in the main set. Um, and that was insane. And I held it for a little while. And then when I really wasn't into cards at all, I took it to a card shop. Uh, on my, I remember I brought it on my way. I was going somewhere. I think I was going to work. Knew I'd pass by there. Wanted some cash. I stopped there, and the guy gave me 200 bucks for it. Um, but that was just the insane at the time. That was like the card to get out of there. And then I'm also not big into rip and wax. So haven't had too many big pulls at all. Um, best play I've ever made. Uh, here's for, I might give you two here. First one, I should have won card talk pod play of the week this week. I was very upset when I didn't, I submitted the screenshots to them. Somebody beat me on a freaking F1 play and their profit margin was not near mine. But the, the guy, the one guy on their show, I think it was Tyler. He was going nuts for F1 at the time. So he really pushed for this guy to win. But in February, 2021, uh, I bought a Garland and Garland stuff was really low at this point. 
Um, he, people hadn't really discovered him yet. I bought his flawless rookie patch. It's a gold out of 10 game used. The reason I bought it, he's upper deck exclusive. So he doesn't have any autos. So he doesn't have any NT RPAs. He doesn't have any flawless RPAs. He doesn't have any contenders autos. Takes a lot of cards out of his possible collectability. And I saw this gold. It was nice. I paid 250 bucks. Won it on an eBay auction. I think the exact amount was like 252 Paid 20 bucks to have it graded. Um, got it graded by Car Collector 2. Uh, I think it was like economy level, whatever. Came back like 10 months later. Um, Garland was a baller. And then he made his first All-Star game in February. And in February of 2022, I sold it for 5000 bucks on eBay. Somebody sent me an offer. I had it up for 10K OBO. Somebody sent an offer for 5000 and I accepted it, and he paid, and that was an insane flip. And then in the summer of 2021, I sold some Bra- I bought some Brady patches. So this is after he won his first Super Bowl with the Bucks. I bought some like nice, flawless, and exquisite Brady patches. They just hadn't caught up to the rest of his market, not near there. I saw like a base junk PSA 8 rookie was selling for less than like a nice – uh brady flawless patch and there was one specifically that i had an insane flip on it was the exquisite maximum patches there's only 30 of them bought it for 1400 on ebay and after the bucks started 4-0 the year after they won the super bowl brady stuff just went insane insane and i sold it for 6500 wow so that was that's really impressive. That's really nice. So I was looking through um, the the Garland play. I actually remember when you when you did that, and I, I love the strategy of going after the upper deck exclusive guys for your game use patches. I think that was uh, kind of using like using your brain and wasn't really lucky. Um, so that one's really awesome. I was looking at my P- just to kind of give a real answer. I I, I have a better one. So. Um, Another play from the Dallas car, a, a, a previous Dallas card show. I believe it was my first Dallas card show. I traded a Justin Herbert uh, blue optic um, scope. So just like a retail pull, Justin Herbert, SGC 10 and $200 for a Kyler Murray contenders optic uh, red autograph raw. And it was actually a DCI 9. So it was raw, but it had been a raw card review. And what tipped me off on the play was the kid said, oh, yeah, the DCI said it was something on the surface. So I was like, okay. So we do the deal. I'm in on the Kyler Murray for about 700 bucks. And I send it off to PSA. And I end up getting a 10-10 on it because I wiped it down. And then I sold that card for 2,500 at the National. So that was a nice little like triple up. Uh, there, but not quite as impressive as yours. I think you got some, uh, definitely some bigger, bigger plays there. That the Garland play is insane. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the reason why I, st- and that's that's a great play on the Kyler. I kind of think Kyler's interesting right now. His stuff's in the gutter. You know, he's going to get healthy eventually. Maybe he'll be able to start for them again next year, hopefully. But um, yeah, that's and that kind of made me go towards game use patches because I think people will pay really strong on some of the nice game used from products like flawless exquisite. Um, and, and those were, yeah, I was super pumped uh, about those, but I, I don't think flips like that are going to be happening too much in this economy. Uh, unfortunately, it just doesn't, doesn't seem like it's going that way, but you never know. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what have you been picking up recently? Um, a lot of stuff. I actually just bought a basketball lot off Instagram. I posted some of it on my story. It was just a lot of silver stuff. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the, you know, not so, you know, uh, not a fan of the super common stuff, but it was a good price. A guy I've bought a lot of stuff off of in the past told me he's looking to sell some more stuff, gave me his price. We worked it out, picked up like some eight and silver tens. So those ones we were talking about. And the reason I knew it was so cheap is like I looked to see what I'd be able to sell them for. And I saw they're like 50, 60 bucks each. And I was like, I'll just freaking hold these. But um, some stuff I cracked out to send to PSA. Been buying a lot of stuff for PSA. Um, but that's that's mainly what I've been picking. A lot of LeBron cheap parallels to send in. I posted on Instagram. I got some tens back. I think those are just really good plays like. And it's not even too hard to figure out which ones to buy. I mean, shiny LeBron stuff, if you can get it for like, you know, a couple bucks, buck or two, and you can grade it for 15 bucks, why not? You know, so, but what about you? What have you been picking up? All right. So um, these are my last eBay buys. I bought a a LeBron Prism 2021 Cracked Ice, $8. I bought a, this is all to grade at $15 sub. So I bought the LeBron, $8. I bought a Tyrese Maxi red, white, and blue prism in a AGS 10, which I've never heard of that grading company. Oh, let's go. But I got that for $10. Love uh, it. I bought three Bowman Chrome Alec Thomases, which he's the center fielder for the Diamondbacks. Big prospect. Got three Bowman Chrome autos for $85. I bought a Sadiq Bay three-color patch auto for $39. And then I got a PC buy. Jerry West on card auto PSA authentic in a West Virginia uniform out of 15. Uh, the card is out of 15, but you know, it's an after it's an in-person auto for 26 bucks. Great, great add to the PC hall of fame auto on a card for 26 bucks. He's the logo. I think that was a like, I think that could also be like a flip if I wanted to, but I'm just going to keep that one. Um, and then I went to a local card show and met up with uh, my boy, Devin, who, uh, kind of wanted a reset on his collection, and I picked up a gigantic lot, tons of Eagles, uh, tons of Jalen Hurts, tons of eBay stuff, tons of stuff for a bunch of C.J. Abrams, which is uh, the guy that the Nats got in the Juan Soto deal, probably about six or seven Topps Chrome numbered cards there. Um, so just a bunch of stuff, and uh, yeah, so that was like, uh, those were my recent pickups. Um, I'm actually going to run a story sale tonight, an Eagle story sale, and kind of go after that. Oh, and then one other one. I picked up today a Tiger Stripe Anthony Simons in a PSA 8 uh, prism. That was kind of a bigger buy. Um, still bullish on Anthony Simons, as everybody that follows my Instagram knows. Um, I think that if they you know, kind of do something in the playoffs, that he's going to see another run up, fingers crossed. I love the maxi pickup. I think getting those cheap BS slabs of cards that are good PSA cards, if it looks centered, corners look good. I think a lot of times you can crack them out and uh, and gem them at PSA. So that's good, especially getting that at 10 bucks. So what, you'll be into that at 25 bucks. And then if it gets a nine, you break even. And if it gets a 10, you probably triple, I would think as a, PSA 10 of red, white, and blue is probably like 60 to 80 bucks, right? So. Yeah, something like that. And he's not even playing. I mean, if he if he kind of goes back to form and becomes hot, I mean, that's an easy 
$100 Elise card, I, I would think. Yeah, I like Kraken, SGC, HGA. Like, and, and I was never big into Kraken SGC, but there was just like a random card. You know, it was an SGC 8.5, looked decent. Wanted to try PSA because it's cheap now. And I got it, you know, literally just cracked it out, put it into a card saver, and it got a PSA 10. So, like, sometimes you just get a guy who is tough sometimes you get a guy who's easy but i i love that maxi play and the jerry west i think all that old time stuff is really underpriced so i'm a big fan of that too uh, definitely yeah absolutely um yeah i mean i, I guess we kind of answered what like what are we buying is a lot of what we're grading i did send uh an sjc sub of all my um this the hall of famers that were in my 1953 bowman set um, got a nice little repost from SGC. So shout. Oh them. yeah. That, uh, was- that was cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm going to try to beat the buzzer. I got about maybe 20 cards that I'm putting together a nice $15 bulk sub and try to get, you know, this last kind of promotional value from PSA. Um, anything that's kind of what I'm doing or anything specific from you that you're grading. I was having trouble finding uh, Bowman Chrome stuff to send to SGC. It seems like everyone's trying to buy that on eBay, but I think now with that special kind of getting real close to running out, I'm going to try. I really need to put some more time into trying to find stuff for that because I think $9 is a really great special. So I need to like force myself to focus on that, which is tough because I'm not a big baseball guy, um, and I'm definitely not a big Bowman Chrome guy. I don't really know that as well. But like I, I got to just force myself to learn it because I don't think there's going to be many specials like this that we see. I mean, that's really good value that they're giving you there. They're cutting their price less than half or they're cutting it directly in half. I, I think that's really good. So that's that's what I got to kind of start focusing on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, but a- anything else here? Uh I think we're ready to wrap up episode two here again. I can't emphasize thank you to those who uh, listened to episode one. We would love some feedback. Maybe episode three, we'll try to get some more listener questions in here. Um, anything here before we sign off? No, nah, yeah, I, I, I'll echo that. I appreciate it if you made it this far, if you're listening. Um, as always, we, we would love any feedback or, or questions or topics to cover for the next time. Um, but yeah, just can't thank everybody enough for, for tuning in and, uh, yeah, having a ton of fun doing this and just kind of, uh, talking about the hobby. I think it's gonna, um, I can already feel myself just like more organized in my hobby strategy, having done this podcast. Oh, good. Good to hear that. So thank you guys. And we'll see you next episode.